What is up, everybody? It is that time again to talk some UFC, some uh, some MMA talk here on the Fight Talk podcast. We're also going to get a little one championship discussion in here. But as always, we got to talk about the weekend at least a little bit. Uh, John Mosley, as always, joined by the man himself, Fight Talk himself, Stephen Jensen. Man, we both uh, busy few days, uh, not a ton of sleep, a lot of wrestling, a lot of UFC watch, a lot of MMA watch the last week, bro. How you feeling? It's been a great week. Um, as the listeners here know, you were in Tampa for WrestleMania weekend, but working all those indie shows and going to all those indie shows, uh, shout out to GCW's collective, as well as IWTV showcase of the independence and everybody involved with those shows. Um, but, uh, but yeah, me and Moe's, uh, for those of you who don't know, we wound up actually doing over five hours of podcasting for Fightful.com, doing previews for all of those shows last week. And yeah, if you want to hear more about independent wrestling, obviously listen to those podcasts and also listen to the Fightful Select Weekender podcast over at FightfulSelect.com because me and Moe's just talked for about two hours about indie wrestling before we hit the record button. <laughs> Per usual, per usual, per usual, exactly. But how was your weekend, man? I know we we, we take a long time to to talk about, but kind of uh, maybe a couple of highlights and uh, you know how are you feeling coming out of the weekend. Uh, man, it feels pretty great. Um, two years ago, uh, I went to to WrestleMania weekend as a fan slash semi journalist, I guess you could say. Uh, I wrote reviews on a bunch of shows and um, and just was around WrestleMania weekend, which uh, if you know, it, whether you're on whether you're on either side of the curtain, um, it, it's a lot, man. It, it's a commitment. Uh, you know, it's it, it's just it's a, a complete madness, but the best kind. So my goal was the year after that last year, I wanted to be behind the curtain of the production side of one show, of course. COVID uh, completely destroyed 2020 for us. Um, I was going to be a part of, I think, two shows on that. Uh, so I was going to meet that goal, um, but it obviously didn't happen. Now, here we are, and I was on, what, three of the biggest shows uh, of the weekend. We started off with Family Reunion Part 1 and 2, and then uh, I, I was on the call for action sup um and that was a show got a lot of love um was at uh, three out of the four icw shows supporting my boys and just being able to to be a, a part of the family there uh, i've not been uh, able to work for icw they have just such a tight group they have great commentary great ring announcing great locker room uh so it's just on one place that have they've really accepted me as a part of the family shout out struggle shout out danny shout out larry legend shout out ron uh, everybody man like they're great to my people they're they're too they're too damn good to me uh and they put on just four incredible shows from from thursday to, to saturday night so uh you know every everyone man from the weekend we had a good time we were as safe as we could be masks were up in the venue uh you know it wasn't super packed um absolutely proud of the work i put in proud to to my people uh, i just i can't say enough man uh, I, i'm happy for for all uh you know every bit of support we've got anyone that watched a show because of our preview or because 
because of this show or anything. I just can't thank them enough, man. It's just been uh, it's been really cool. I'm ready to get back at it this this weekend. I got three shows in three days, so there's no time to slow down, bro. Hell yeah, man. Mo's out there on the grind, and I've I've fully enjoyed you know the whole weekend and the whole week. I mean, just a lot of great pro wrestling and also some good MMA that we're going to talk about here in just a second. And you know, if y'all want to check out those shows that we're talking about from independentwrestling.tv's showcase of the independence, they're all available right now on the service. If you yeah. use code, if you use code fight talk, you, uh, they're not doing the free days at the moment, but you do still support the show big time. Like we very much appreciate it. And you still have access to everything we're talking about. You have access to, you know, thousands of matches and hundreds of promotions. I mean, there's so much stuff over there on independentwrestling.tv. Once again, use code fight talk. It helps myself and Mo's out a lot. Yeah, and I'm so glad you said that. Shout out to IWTV crew. Uh, literally, every show that ended, I I swear, w- the replay was back on video on demand, you know, within three, four, five hours. So, th- I mean, er- uh, it, it was incredible to, like, to, wa- you know, be at a show, maybe get something to eat, get back to the B&B, take a shower, and then you're like, oh, man, we can, like, I can hear my commentary. So, like, it's just, I, I can't shout out that crew enough, man, the IWTV crew. Uh, what a job. Yeah, man. And as, as somebody who watched from home, uh, it went very smoothly on the streaming. Oh, so yeah. like, good to yeah, hear. yeah, really no complaints from from that end of it. So, yeah, huge weekend uh, for the entire world of wrestling, whether it be, you know, mainstream or independent wrestling and really great stuff. So uh, before we get into this conversation where we're going to be talking UFC on ABC, we're going to be talking last weekend, we're talking this upcoming week. I got to tell y'all about our friends over at Music City Toys and Collectibles. Let me tell you, founded in 2002, formerly known as Heroes and Legends, Music City Toys and Collectibles is your Southern Fried source for vintage and modern toys, autographed memorabilia, and all things pop culture. Visit their brand new retail location opening May 1st at 101 West Main Street in Waterton, Tennessee. Stay up to date with all of their special in-store signings, online sales, and convention appearances at musiccitytoys.biz. And follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Music City Toys. And there's been a slight change in what's going to be happening on May 1st. Dan the Beast Severn, still supposed to be there live. They've had to cancel the dinner and Q&A, though, because the venue that it was supposed to be held in flooded. Because, as Moe's knows firsthand, that whole area got... Uh, the weather was terrible uh, the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. so uh so yeah dealt with uh, i actually saw some videos of like surrounding areas where like, the water looked i mean pretty high off the ground like i mean it was no joke uh but so i'll still be there may 1st and i'll still be talking with dan severed and i'm gonna still get some autographs and all that good stuff so please still join us just had to give you all a heads up that i've been promoting the q a and the dinner lately just know that that's off, but they're making up for it the best that they can. He's still going to be there signing stuff for y'all. So uh, support Music City Toys. They are awesome. So, Mose, what's, uh, let's talk some MMA, dude. Let's do it, man. Let's get in our way back machine. Not that far, though. We're going back a few days ago uh, in between last week's show and this week's show. One champion debuted on TNT, man. It felt like uh, this one kind of caught me by surprise with all the hubbub of getting ready for Tampa and everything else. But, yeah, we, we were able to watch some of this in the car on the way down there. Uh, one on TNT, one took place from Singapore last uh, last Wednesday, April 7th over here. Uh, on the uh, Again, 
one on TNT. I'm going to say it again because it's so crazy to me that TNT is just killing it right now. Uh, the big news out of this, of course, let's start off with that title fight. Adriano Moraes defeating Mighty Mouse, Demetrius Johnson, second round, hit the big knee, followed up with punches, knockout for the for the one flyweight championship. Uh, this one popped the car, man, not in any disrespect to Mighty Mouse, quite the opposite, the fact that it was such an impressive finish. Uh, I mean, what more can you say for, for someone to finish Mighty Mouse? That's something you never see really at all, ever, 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 ever. Uh, what did you think? When uh when the bell rang and you saw it was a full blown KO, yeah man. I mean, so that's the thing. Mighty Mouse had never been finished in his career, so that was uh, I mean, it was kind of weird to see, but the finish was really really nice. I mean, I love how they were using the kind of you know they had a different rule set and the the knee that knocked out Mighty Mouse by Marais was completely legal under their mm-hmm. rules. And I think it just goes to show that there's no reason that those knees should be illegal in the UFC in the United States. Like that's if Mighty Mouse was fine after the fight. Like he got knocked out just like he'd be knocked out if he got hit with a knee on the feet. Like there was no difference. And I mean, it was just, it was just a really clean win. Uh, you know, Marais hit a uh, hit a really nice uppercut, some good combos, and just. I mean, he got Mighty Mouse in some serious trouble, landed that knee, and that was it. So nothing but respect. And, uh, you know, I got to tie it in with the first fight of the night as well, because there was, there was only two fights that, that mm-hmm. aired. And they had a lot of advantages going into this show because it aired literally right after AEW Dynamite. Exactly. So they had this big potential of, like, the overlap crowd. And the first fight of the night ended like within a minute or something where um, Eddie Alvarez lands. So it was, I, I hated all this because, and, and the reason I have to bring it up now while talking about Mighty Mouse, because there's a kind of a connection here. So the, the first fight of the night with Alvarez, his opponent literally is like he, Alvarez has the dude in trouble. He's like mounting him on the ground and I got what's his opponent's name? You you have it pulled up. Is it uh Lapicus? Yeah. Okay. So he's he's literally like underneath Eddie Alvarez, mm-hmm. and Alvarez is trying to do ground and pound, and this guy is holding his his head up against Alvarez's head and covering his whole side of his face with his hand. So basically what he's doing is the equivalent of like being on one knee on the ground or like touching the ground with your hand to avoid a knee to the head. Like it's just, it's just using the rules. Like it's a really, it's a really shitty thing to do. I think like, cause it's, it's taking advantage of the rules is what it really is. Yeah. And so anywhere that Eddie could possibly punch him would have been illegal. Like there was no way for him to hit him. So but Eddie's in the middle of a fight and he's trying to get the finish and he's throwing strikes to the guy's head. And at first, you know, he's hitting the guy in the hand because the guy's hand is covering his head and, and Eddie's just throwing the same strike to the same spot. And then this dude turns his head into Eddie's like, so, so now Eddie's hitting him in the back of the head, but it was because the, the fighter had moved and covered up his entire face. So like, I I have no problem with it's very similar to me where 
like when Brock Lesnar fought Randy Couture, Brock the the draw the the punch that dropped Randy was to the was behind the ear, which is technically illegal. But if you're a fighter and you're moving and the punch lands where it lands, like you can't you can't fault the guy throwing the punch. Like the intention isn't to throw an illegal strike. It only right. became an illegal strike because you, you moved. Exactly. So so the intention really matters here. And I don't think Eddie Alvarez had any intention at all no. of throwing illegal strikes. And the guy he was landing on was taking advantage of the rules. And and not to mention that the shots that really hurt him were legal. Like Eddie hit yeah. him in the chin like two or three times also. And that really hurt him. So I hated how this all went down. Same. I felt, you know, I felt bad for Eddie. Like it was just, it was really, it was a, and it made Eddie, it didn't make Eddie look bad in the minds of the fans who know what's going on, but like it made Eddie look bad. Cause like it made him look like he, he was hitting these like illegal strikes, but like it was so clear the intent wasn't to throw illegal strikes. So like, it, I hated this whole thing. And this was the worst possible way you could have like, if there were like, you know, let's say a couple hundred thousand extra people just stayed from AEW to watch this. A lot of them probably turn it off right right when that happened, and that was mm-hmm. a, probably a big a big loss for uh, for one. Well, and uh, I think Big John McCarthy was right there with us. He wrote up a good point of it's almost like in soccer you're throwing out a red card in like you know a World Cup final over something you know very minute you know it's like you yes. said the intent the intent of what Eddie Alvarez is doing it's not like he's you know intently doing this he's just trying to to keep this momentum up and um you know it's a big John again you brought up you give him a warning you you do whatever to kind of de-escalate that and then get the fight going versus what we saw it was a bummer um but it's also that thing too of what we talk about with with judging at time that it's it's like a great offensive line. You know, you don't really think about it until it, it's just something this bad when it's something we should kind of, uh, when it's great, we should, we should talk about how great it is. You know, it, it's something that it, it's just more eyes on, on a situation when it's bad and it's a bummer. So, uh, hopefully things are learned though, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you know, you bring up the red card is something I, yeah. I forgot to mention because like, and that's a very key point in this that I'm glad you brought up because the referee had, could make the decision to not finish to not end that fight based on what happened. The referee decided to issue a red card, which is like that makes Eddie look like he really went out there and did something bad and he really right. didn't. When he didn't. You know, so it's one of those things where like <clears throat> it is so ironic too, if ironic is even the right word, how it's 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 just very weird and strange and ironic or whatever to to when you think about that fight in the Mighty Mouse fight. Like, are, how could anybody possibly try to convince me that what I saw Eddie Alvarez do to get disqualified was more brutal than taking a knee to the head? Like, what Mighty, you know what I'm saying? Like, like Mighty Mouse got... What, what happened to Mighty Mouse was it got completely legal under one's rules. And I have yep. no problem with those rules, by the way. I think the UFC should implement them. I think UFC should basically have pride rules and add in the punches that um and the elbows that pride didn't allow. Like, I, I think it should all pretty much be, be legal, to be honest. But 
when you look at that and you're like, Eddie Alvarez got disqualified for that. And it was okay for, for Marias to throw that knee that knocked out DJ. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, how is that safe? And what happened in Eddie's fight, not safe in comparison. Like, that's so weird to me. It is weird, man. I, I don't have an answer because I'm right there with you. We were all upset, uh, at, at, you know, wanting to see see it continue. Um, yeah, Big John nailed that one. Uh, and just really quickly, I just want yeah, to mention, I just want to mention, like, that I, I because I don't want it to be misconstrued at all. I think it should be illegal to just blatantly throw strikes to the back of someone's yes. head. Agreed. You know, I think you're protecting the brain. That's very dangerous. And that's a pretty big target that people can can avoid. But, you know, this happens in combat sports. Like, in boxing, it's happened forever. Like, you're not allowed to hit people in the back of the head. But, like, those gloves are big and people move and shit happens. Like, it can't just be as black and white as, like, behind the ear, no matter what, is always illegal. Like, we should always look out for it. And it should always be called out by the ref. Like, hey, watch the back of the head. But, like, you know what I'm saying? There's a big difference between that and, like, a guy looking the other direction and you just roll up on him with a with a first to last from Jaden Newman. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a completely different intention than than what we saw with Eddie Alvarez. Just wanted to – that's all I'll say about it. Just wanted to throw that out there. No, absolutely. And, again, it shines a light on uh, that part of being a referee of, of – it's a lot. It's not just, you know – you understanding intent, understanding if someone's maybe being a little more uh, across the line and whatnot. But I think you're absolutely right. There, there is a line between what happened there and someone just trying to bash the head in. So uh, again, that was their first one on TNT. At the time of this recording, you could catch one on TNT two tomorrow night, April fourteenth. Um, for sure, check that out over on TNT. We're gonna. Kind of segue into some uh, UFC news now, and this is one we we talked about. What happened with Mighty Mouse being legal? Well, of course, what happened to Aljamain Sterling in the UFC and in those rules illegal. He's the champion now because of a similar situation, and he also revealed that he turned down a rematch with with Peter Yan. Uh, rumors swirling that after Aljo uh, had some surgery, that he could be out up to nine months. At, According to Sterling himself, he's saying he'll be back in October for the rematch. Um, I just, I kind of wanted your thoughts on on all this of of what you thought about, you know, Aljo maybe turning this down. Which I'm cool with. If he's banged up, absolutely take the time. Uh, and, and also, how does it sit with you that we're, you know, it's it's April right now. The, it sounds like the earliest we get this this rematch is October. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see it happen sooner, but, like, I mean, Aljo's health is number one for sure. Um, I'll never say anything differently, like, because these people, they go and, and perform in the octagon, like, they're, they're, ultimately their health is the most important thing always. So I, I want to see him healthy, but, you know, it, it I'm I'm torn on what to think about Aljo right now because... Like, on one hand, he should be proud to be the champion of the world, because he is. And he, fair and square, he won that title. Like, by the rules, Piotr Jan threw an illegal knee that landed, and it was heavy, and Sterling won. In my opinion, Jan was winning the fight up to that point. But 
Um, there, I think there was one judge out of three that that did have it in Sterling's favor, if I remember correctly. So it wasn't like a complete blowout. But in my opinion, I thought Jan was was, and he was also really laying it on at the time mm-hmm. of the end of the fight. Mm-hmm. So, but that all being said, by the by the rules, fair and square, Aljamain Sterling is the, the bantamweight champion of the world, and nobody can take that away from him. You know, that's on Jan for throwing an illegal strike, right? And he's got to know the rules and not do that. That all being said, it is getting a little annoying when I see kind of the the talking and the kind of the bragging that Sterling's been doing lately. Like I'm fine with him being ha- like like you know being proud that he's the champion, but we all saw that fight. Like I don't think anybody who watched that really thinks he's a better fighter than Piotr Jan, and he'll have a chance to prove it in a rematch. And if he goes out there and beats John in a rematch, he'll, he'll silence a lot of people. But until then, I think he's still kind of unproven. Like I said, he definitely won the championship by the rules, but it would have been the same, almost the same kind of scenario. If like when, uh, when John Jones need Anthony Smith in the head in their fight, mm-hmm. yep. if Anthony, if Anthony, if Anthony Smith would have, would have said he couldn't continue, he would have been the light heavyweight champion of the world. But nobody would have thought that Anthony Smith was actually better than John Jones. So that's the position that Sterling's in at the moment. I don't think a lot of people actually think he's better than Jan. And I was talking about this with you before we went on live. But like, and once again, Jan one million percent landed that knee to Sterling's head. One million percent, undoubtedly. And it was a heavy shot. And it was unprotected. And it was illegal uh, by the, the UFC's rules. A hundred percent. But when I saw Demetrius Johnson take the same thing, he was up and doing his interview like like nothing had happened. You know, he'd been knocked out, completely finished during his fight. We see it happen with submissions also. We see and I'm not gonna sit here and say that Andrew Algerman Sterling uh threw the fight or or overacted. I'm not gonna accuse him of any of these things. All I'm going to say is I was surprised when I saw what happened to DJ. That was, I, I, my eyes were opened a little bit at like, oh, this, like, he got knocked out cold by one of those knees and like was up like pretty quickly and sounded totally normal, mm-hmm. you know? And like, once again, Sterling, Sterling has neck issues going into the fight. That may have played a factor. Sterling uh, might have just got hit in a different part of his head. That could play a factor. Uh, Jan's power might be a lot heavier than Marais's. That might be a factor. I'm, I'm, but all I'm saying is, like, it isn't even so much, like, was Sterling taking a dive or not? It's also that I would point at the Demetrius Johnson fight as a perfect example of, like, why these things should be legal that we're talking about. Because DJ was, like, let me put it this way. If Michael Venom Page is allowed to cave somebody's head in with a knee standing, why is somebody not allowed to do what happened to DJ? Mm-hmm. Like, that didn't seem like that big of a deal. It really didn't. It was like any other mm-hmm. knockout you've ever seen. So, you know, the, so those kind of, I don't know. I, take take from that conversation what you will as a <laughs> listener of this. Um, but... It does. It just makes me think a little bit more about certain things. It just does. Um, and but the real takeaway, honestly, is that that stuff should be legal because because it would also be very interesting to see in the future how how that 
it happens, how that's handled. Like, if we keep seeing people getting kneed in the head on the ground and they just keep getting up and that happens like the next time times we see something like that, then you kind of start thinking, you know what I'm saying? It's like I do. all these other all these other times because it isn't just Al Jermaine, by the way. We've seen this, and, and Anthony Smith was kind of the opposite because he was like, "No, I'm not like I. No matter what, I'm going to continue to fight. It doesn't matter that he hit me with a knee on the ground. I don't care. I, I'm winning this like legitimately. No one's going to question this." Um, but we have seen it in the past too, where somebody like uh, I remember, I think it was was it Josh Koscheck years ago, completely faked getting kneed in the head, like 100% faked it, uh, and like the replay showed that he had missed by a solid foot and and but the, but he but the reaction was exactly what it looked like when Aljamain got hit by by Piotr Jan like he, Aljamain for sure got hit you know what I'm saying but it's one mm-hmm. of those things where like they looked the same it really this the way he was laying there and, and so it's just like ugh, I don't know I don't know it just I don't want to I don't want to say any more than that but I I just I think I think Aljamain Sterling, in all honesty, I think the best thing you could possibly do right now is get get the surgery done, get his health in check, and just just don't just don't be talking like you're a better fighter than Peter Yawn. Because I just I just don't think anybody actually believes that you are. You know? Yeah, no. <clears throat> Hoping uh, hopefully we see this rematch before October, but if we gotta wait that long, feels like things will be very heated, some big time uh Big time lead up to this one, whenever that comes, be on the lookout for any news on that one. We will be too. Last little bit of news before we get into the recap of UFC on ABC, Vittori versus Holland. It's Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier. Um, <clears throat> some words have been said over the weekend. Dustin Poirier came has come out and said that the donation that Conor McGregor promised to, to Poirier's Good Fight Foundation uh, never, never cleared, never made way. However you want to word it, he didn't. The money didn't make it to the foundation. Poirier saying he was give the cold shoulder. McGregor saying that you know he never, he never got information on where to go. So uh, basically, a war of words over this that has led to apparently Conor McGregor has pulled out of the fight with Dustin. Now he's saying he's looking for someone to answer a uh, a bit of a Conor McGregor open challenge. Went as far as to call Dustin Poirier an inbred hillbilly. Um, my question to you, Stephen Jensen, is: Is this more buildup, or is this, or is this a shooter? Is this a work, brother? That's what I'm asking. <laughs> I don't know. I think a little bit of both. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I definitely see the work aspect of it. Because otherwise, I don't know why you would really be going back and forth publicly like this. Like you exactly. Would just, you know, you'd figure it out behind closed doors especially with all the money they have to gain by having a trilogy fight. Like I, so part of it seems like a work, but, but so I, you know, I can see both sides of this argument too, because ultimately at the end of the day, Connor should give the foundation the money because he said he was going to. So like, that's kind of like the, the underlying uh, theme to like what, you know, what I think, because once again, like he said he was going to do it. So, doesn't really matter where the money's going. Like if you said, we're going to give it to the foundation. That's kind of on you. Like you already committed to it and then they can decide what to do with that money. But what seems like has happened is that Connor hasn't been given clear information on where his money actually is going. Um, and the fear is that, um, 
you know, as we've seen, I mean, it's it is a thing with big foundation. I'm not I'm not accusing Dustin Poirier of any. I have no reason to believe that Dustin Poirier is doing anything other than you know wholesome work that he's talking about. Like I love Dustin. I think he's a great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. But but there are foundations out there where sometimes when there's big donations that come through very little of it actually goes to the charity and a, and a lot of it goes to paying the people running the charity. And you can do your research on foundations that do that, but there's a lot of big foundations that have history of that. And once again, I'm not, I'm not at all accusing Dustin of this, but what I'm saying is like to give anybody $500,000, that's a lot of money. So I think in Connor's mind, he's asked at least publicly what it sounds like is that he's, just trying to be clear on where that $500,000 is actually being used. Cause I think for whatever reason, he believes that it's actually going towards people who work there and not going towards where like to the actual issues that they're trying to fix, but with the foundation. Now, once again, this is a little bit of speculation too, because that's just kind of the, the he says, she says that I've been seeing between the two, but that's kind of where I think this is at right now is like Dustin saying, Hey, we've been reaching out to you. Where's the money? And Connor saying, I'm still waiting to find out what this is going to be used for in your foundation. And Connor and Dustin kind of being like, well, dude, you said we're going to give it to us. So, you know, like, but because here's the thing, like as somebody giving away $500,000, sure. You want to know where it's going, but you've already committed to it. So like, I think it would be really, really, really shitty if Dustin Poirier gave that to people that weren't, you know what I mean? Like, I, th- I don't think he'd do that. I really don't. So like, I, so, but like, if I found out Dustin Poirier was giving his, the money to himself or to his own family or to uh, other people who work for the organization who already make salaries with the organization, then I'd be like, yeah, that's fucked up. Like I would, I would have reservations too, if I was Connor, but I have a feeling that isn't really what's happening. Just knowing who Dustin, like Dustin Poirier doesn't have to have this foundation at all. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like why would he be doing this for personal gain or to help like his close friends? If you wanted to help his close friends or whatever, like he's a multimillionaire as a fighter. Like he can help them. He can just give them money if he wanted to, I'm sure. So like, you know, that's kind of where I'm at with it. I think, I think Connor, I, th- I honestly think a big part of it is a work and that's why this is even happening. I think Connor is trying to maybe things weren't trending as big as they planned for the trilogy. You know, maybe they need Connor to be the villain going into this mm-hmm. and not, and not be the nice guy that he was after he lost. And they're trying to make him the big time heel. And part of that is him publicly saying he isn't going to give that money to Dustin that he promised. And there's really no better way of getting people to hate you than to find out you, you backed out on, you know, giving to a charity that you committed to. Like, that's really, really, really shitty. Um, and that's really the only excuse that Connor could probably give is like, I didn't know where it was going. And then it's like, well, don't really care because you said you were going to give it to him. So, you know, that's kind of like, that's, that's not really when I know this sounds kind of strange to say, but like when you commit to something like that publicly, it doesn't matter if it's $500,000 to the good fight foundation or if it was me coming on here and saying, hey, I have, this isn't what I'm saying, but if I was to say like, hey, I have a gift card for $100 I'm giving away or whatever, like that's no longer your money. You know, you've committed to give it to someone else. And so I don't really care what Dustin does with the money, to be honest, because Connor said he was going to give it to him. 
So that's where I'm at with it. And I think they still fight. I think there's still the trilogy. I think it's still on July 10th. But I think this is all being done publicly, like you said, Moe's. I think I think it's I think it's about 75% work and about 15% real. Yeah. No, I think you're on the money. Um, yeah, I, I'm right there with you, man. I I think this is we're 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 building up. We're we're getting those numbers up. Um, I look forward though to see the press conference or whatever when this does come around because, like you said, it's it's time for Connor to be heel again, and uh, and he can do it, man. He's gonna bring the juice on this one. Um, let's let's get into this preview or, or this review. Excuse me. We're gonna talk about. UFC on ABC, headlined by Marvin Vittori and Kevin Holland. And then we'll do a little bit of a quick preview on this coming up weekend's card, UFC on ESPN, with, uh, with a headliner between Robert Whitaker and Kelvin Gastelum. A lot of names on that card. But uh, the, the fights we've already seen up first, per usual, we've got uh, Marvin Vittori beating Kevin Holland, unanimous decision, 50-44 across the board. I was able to watch this fight live. This was when uh, we weren't didn't have to be at the venue. I was at the B&B watching uh, this and I believe Planet Death at the same time. <laughs> nice. Um, so it's pretty fitting. Yeah, very shout fitting. Shout out Alex Cologne. <laughs> yeah, shout out Alex Cologne big time. Alex Cologne's the god. I love that dude. Um, but yeah, watching this card live with some peeps is pretty cool. Uh, Kevin Holland looked a little more looked a little more at it, a little better. Uh, than he had in that fight with with Derek Brunson. But once again, man, he just, at least in the scorecards, man, absolutely dominated by Vittori, especially uh, on the ground. Just as every time, literally, uh, you every time w- there was a takedown, I mean, the, the people with us just, it was like, okay, well, this is, that's just the way it's going to be now for a while. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's the thing with this fight. Going into it, I think, I think we got pretty much what I expected outside of, I thought Vittori could finish him, but... I mean, he just completely outclassed Holland for all five rounds. It's really that simple. He's just a well, he's just a better, more well-rounded fighter. And like you said, uh, the the code has been cracked on Kevin Holland. Like, if you have takedowns, he's screwed. Uh, unless, uh, I mean, he has the chance, like with uh, like with Jacare, how he, I'm pretty sure he knocked Jacare out from his back initially. Yeah, they're on the ground. Yeah, so like he can beat you with like off of his back from from strikes. So there is that that too. But yeah, Vitor's just way better. Um, that just is what it is. And you know, going forward, really the we'll talk about it in a minute. But like now it's on Whitaker really because Vitor's positioned himself to possibly be the next guy to fight Adesanya for the title and. I think it's all going to come down to how impressive Whitaker looks against Gasolum. So, uh, Vittori's in a pretty good spot right now. Yeah, great spot. What That puts him at five in a row. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, last loss, of course. I love mentioning because you got it. The last time yep. <laughs> Vittori lost was to Israel Adesanya back in uh, April of 2018. Split decision loss there. And then, uh, as mentioned, man, five in a row since then. Uh, just he's been active a couple fights 2019 a couple fights in 2020 already won this year and we know whether it's for the title or not he's gonna at least fight one more time in 2021 uh you, you summed it up man i didn't even need to say all that just good spot to be right now for marvin vittori going through uh i just i've gotta ask i know there's not really a clear answer but for kevin holland now you're five and oh last year now you're oh and two um by the middle of, of april in 2021 uh, what's the plan now? Do we just, uh, you know, we, we look to get him in so in there with somebody that that Dana and us as as, uh, as fans know 
isn't going to look for the takedown. You're just looking for two dudes to throw. Is that kind of the move? Yeah, if I'm Dana White, I find, like, and I'm not exaggerating by it. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of being facetious by saying this, <laughs> but, like, not real. But, like, if I'm Dana White, you, you need to find a sure thing for Kevin Hall. Mm-hmm. You know, if it means going out and doing a Michael Jackson, CM Punk, Mickey Gall type scenario where, like, you know, you find somebody who who is a middleweight, whether he's on the UFC roster right now or not, who you know Kevin Holland can knock out within like thirty seconds of being in that same octagon. <laughs> like you, you have you got to ring you got to ring it. I'm sorry. Give him the Sugar Sean O'Malley treatment. Get him someone there you know he's gonna throw down. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Find like find some dude who's out there like jobbing on cage warriors right now. And like the, <laughs> like the, the opener of the prelims who like no one really knows much, but he weighs, he's in middleweight. And if he go like, why find some guy who just gets smoked in his last fight. And just, and that's who you put up against Kevin Holland as a sacrificial, um, because the, the problem with Kevin Holland, now, cause he's right. Number 10. So like, but I don't think he beats anybody in the top 15. Yeah. I don't so, think so, so like if you, and so like if he loses to another ranked person, it's going to be, it's going to look bad on him again. He's just going to keep going down the rankings if he keeps losing. But if you can find him a sure thing, at least he can like try to gain some sort of momentum again. But like that, I mean, you definitely don't want to be Owen three. doesn't matter what you did last year. Like, you don't want to be 0 three this year if he fights you know, again soon. And he likes to now I'll say this though. Took the fight on short notice. Love yep. that. Right. True. I love the fact that he that he fights and he stays active. And you know, I don't like I don't hate the guy. You know, it's just he has a very, very limited offense and very, very little defense for when things aren't going his way. And you just can't be like that. You just can't be like that at his level uh, in the top 10 of the division. Uh, you know, you, you, if he was like a Francis Ngannou, maybe you could, but mm-hmm. he isn't a Francis Ngannou. You know, some, some people have the ability, like a Derek Lewis, the guy is super one dimensional, but the one thing he's good at can get him into title fights. Yeah. Kev, all day. Kevin, Kevin Holland just isn't, he just isn't at that same kind of level where he can do that. And even his wins are kind of weird, right? Like not like knocking people out from the back, like just, just it's impressive as hell, but you just rarely, you just can't, you can't rely on that. No. This is a good way of putting it. So <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I think that's the perfect, perfect way to say it, man. It's, it's yeah. Just, uh, you respect it for taking him on short notice. And I do think, I know the last two, his, his last two fights, he got dominated in. He looked for sure better uh, than he did against Brunson. But what does that get you? You're still, you know, 50-44, man. That's just, that's a butt kicking. Um, well, this yeah, also Mark- helps Brunson also, just for, for what it's worth. Yeah. Because because Brunson's sitting there, if I was looking, I got to pull the rankings up real quick. He's sitting at number five. And, like, all these other guys, like, Cannoneer's coming off of a loss. Vittori's already fought out of Sonia. Costa's already fought out of Sonia. And Whitaker's already fought out of Sonia. And Brunson and... Um, Brunson and Vittori now both share that win over Kevin Holland. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where like Brunson 
is he's very, very much in the mix too. Like if anything happened to any of these other guys in the top five, he could fight out Asani because he hasn't fought him yet. I don't think he's fought him yet, actually. Now I'm not even sure if they fought before. Did they fight before? I let me find out. Don't think so. I could be wrong. Let me uh, let me just pull that up real quick. Oh, they did. That's right. Adesanya beat him already back in 2018. Okay. Okay. That was right after he beat Brad Tavares. Because I remember thinking Tavares was going to beat Adesanya. I was super wrong about that. So, yeah, never mind. I mean, all that's crazy. Adesanya is in a position right now where these are all guys he's already all beaten does. are all his contenders. Wow. Well, Good for him. I'm going to say that's Israel Adesanya <laughs> for you, bro. Uh, yeah, definitely going to look out for Rivatori and this, what this means for him. Because, uh, yeah, last time he lost was to that 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 savage Israel Adesanya. So, uh, again, that's our main event. Uh, dominant win for Marvin in the co-main event. Arnold Allen defeated Sadiq Youssef. It was a 29-28 across the board unanimous decision. We were both pretty fired up for this fight. How uh, how did you feel by the time the final bell with, uh, with Arnold's performance? I thought they both looked good. It was a good fight. Um, Arnold getting the win, I totally agree with. And... He's a guy who's now he's not he's number eight now in the division at featherweight. And it is nothing but killers ahead of him. But these are all guys that he's got a shot against. I mean, Arnold Allen's for real. He's very much a legitimate contender, I think, at featherweight. And Yosef uh, just went down to number 12. And he's you know, his next fight will be probably fighting another top 10, top 15 guy. I mean, the, the top 15 of featherweight is stacked. They have a it's probably on paper, it might be my favorite division right now if I'm looking at the full top 15. So, um, Allen is in that mix with, with these big-name guys, and, you know, I know guys like Zabit are always looking for new opponents. Uh, mm-hmm. you, who knows what happens between, you know, what you know, Max Holloway doesn't have a fight right now. I mean, there there's some big opportunities, potentially, for a guy like Arnold Allen to get in there with some, some of these big names, and he has a shot against all of them. Like, I don't know if I I don't think I would take him over a hallway or as a beat, but it wouldn't surprise me if he if he could hang in there with those guys. Yeah, 27 years old. This pushes his record to 17 and one. His uh, his only loss all the way uh, coming up seven years ago back in 2014. Uh, a very bright future for Arnold Allen. But uh, we mentioned it, man, uh, with with Yusuf. Uh, even with this loss, uh, as close as it was, eleven and two now. Uh, so uh, I think they're both, yeah, both twenty-seven. Still, uh, bright futures for both. But early in the career, a, a solid, impressive win for Arnold Allen. I, I got the boys hyped up for this one when it came around. Uh, I think we all agreed when it came to that uh, that Allen had done enough. But without a doubt, um, great fight. Not the fight of the night. It actually wound up being. Right dead in the center of this uh, this main card, man. Julian Marquez, rear naked choke win over smiling Sam Alvey in the second round. Uh, I, this had everyone fired up, man. Marquez, uh, what a performance! Great win, got the finish. Uh, just a lot of check marks out, out of this one, man. And on ABC, right? That this is a a big setting, and man, he just he, he huge home runs. Yeah, for sure. And I'll just take this time to mention real quick that I was. 100% correct on my main car predictions. So happy Golf about clap. that. Golf, Golf clap. clap. Um, and Marquez, I mean, it was a fun fight. You know, Alvy, Alvy's tough as hell and he throws down. I mean, I, everyone knows that, but 
you know, I also thought Marquez was going to be a big problem for him, and he was. And that that rear naked choke was like he he put him out completely cold. Like that was a vicious rear naked choke. Really, really good stuff from Marquez, and he's very smart in the way that he uh, has been approaching kind of the outside the octagon stuff too, because. He's the guy who, you know, called out Miley Cyrus after his last win. And she actually like, like tweeted him back and stuff. And <laughs> and then after this fight, I think he called out some NFL players or something. And like some of these players and teams, I think, were like tweeting at him after the fight and congratulating him and stuff. So he's like, he's out there winning big fights and shooting his shot. And yeah, good for him. I mean, the Cuban, he, he looks the Cuban really missile cool. crisis. Great, one of the best nicknames too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. So, um, and that's and that's the thing, man. Sam Alvey, like, yep. I said, I said it in the pre-show for this. You know, I it's, that's got to be it in the UFC. If he wants to continue with fighting, I'm fine with it. Like, if he winds up in a Bellator or like bare knuckle or something like that, fine with me. But like, I mean, I I just I just not think he can hang with the top level guys in the UFC. So. I, I think that's it for him. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five. He's he's five. He's o five and one in his last six. Um, yikes! Uh, at least if this if this was his last fight, man, at least he went out with that that fight of the night bonus, fifty k extra in the pocket for smiling Sam Alvey and the Cuban Missile Crisis Julian Marquez. Such a fun fight. Um, again, I, I nine and two now for Marquez. Uh, he, you could feel that they're going to put him in there with a with a big fight. These last two really impressive finishes, uh, both on on a pretty pretty big card. So uh, you mentioned kind of the eyes being on Julian Marquez, of course, on ABC, and then his last one uh, was the UFC 258, um, which had of course Usman and Burns. Uh, so uh, great year so far for for Julian Marquez, man. Uh, he's got a going to have a lot of eyes on him. Each one keep going. Um, the our second fight in this main card, this one was a lot of fun too, man. First round submission armbar win for Mackenzie Dern over Nina Nunez in a just a, a great, great, great performance for Dern. Um, I, I don't really have much more to say on it because it was it was just uh, she pushes Dern. She's now eleven and one, uh, four wins in a row, and again the the finish here. Uh, gets her a performance of the night, so uh, so fifty extra k in in the pocket of Mackenzie Dern on this the on ES or excuse me on ABC again with the win over Nina Nunes. Yeah, big win, and it was a win that both of them could have really used. You know, Nina being in the top ten as well uh, as Dern. You know, both of them. So it's uh, I think Dern was like right outside of the top ten going into the fight. So it's it's one of those things where like now Dern sitting at five. And Nunez is sitting at seven. And it was funny hearing, or not funny, but it was, you know, hearing her as uh, Nina Nunez. Because, yeah. Yeah. So well, used to hearing Nina Ansaroff all these years. Well, no, on my end, I did. I kept like, I, the fight was on, but I was, we were going to say, we're watching uh, Planet Death. I can't remember the match. I'm watching and I'm hearing Nunez and I'm like, man, I thought, and then it clicked. I'm like, that is, that's exactly what I think that is. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. It's, it's just, it's funny how that, and good for good for them. Like it's no, it's cool. It is. It's like it's it's uh, it was cool. It's always cool seeing Amanda in her corner. I know uh, Brett Ison was like kind of like where's she at? Oh, there she is, kind of a thing. <laughs> and uh, and that's something, man. That it's just it's it's a beautiful thing, man. When you can share that, share something you both love uh, with someone you love. That's just really special. 
Yeah, and I love how just like normal it is now. Like, you know, that's that's what married people do. They take the last name. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's I, I love it. You know, and at first I was getting confused because I saw people saying Nunez on Twitter on Twitter and I knew Anzarov was fighting. And I thought people were trolling her at first, like kind of how like Brian Caraway used to get called like Misha, like Brian Tate and stuff gotcha. with Misha Tate, you know, because he was like he wasn't that good. But like everyone knew her kind of thing. Um and then I was like, oh, no, that's they're married. So why wouldn't she be Nina Nunez? It totally makes sense. Um, so, yeah, I thought I thought that was cool. And, and Nunez is still a really, really good fighter. She's still ranked number seven. She's going to be fine. She'll get another big fight after this. And this established Dern as a contender at strawweight. Because when you look at that division, and by the way, the armbar was very impressive. She got it right at the end of the first round. Really, really good stuff. But you have Wiley Zhang as the champion. You have her fighting Rose Namajunas soon. Yanni mm-hmm. on Jacek, I I think is booked. I just can't remember against who. Um, you have Zion and you have Asparza ahead of Dern as well. I mean, Dern really, especially with her style. Like I'd love to see Yan Jacek and Zhang go at it again at some point because that fight was awesome. But because of Dern's style, she has potential similar to Jennifer Maya at Flyway when she got that chance against Shevchenko. A lot of that was because stylistically she was different than the other contenders. So, like, we if, if Jean gets past Nami Yunus, then it's like she's beat Nami Yunus, she's beat Young Jacek. Um, Esparza is really hot or cold. Zionan is is good, but like hasn't like hasn't beaten a young Jacek or a Nama Yunus, for instance. Mm-hmm. I, I could see Dern getting a big push because she presents that that big question mark on the ground that the other fighters don't don't have that kind of ability in the top five. So I mean this that was huge for Dern is kind of at the end of the day the bottom line there is like if Dern really could be she could be the next contender. Like she could get the winner of Rose and Jong potentially right now. And if not, she's probably one fight away from getting a title shot if she wins again. So she is in a great spot right now. Like we're saying four, uh, four wins in a row and three of those four performance of the night wins. So you're, you know, anytime you're not just winning fights, but, but putting on those kinds of fights, winning that way where you're, you're constantly in these performance of the night, at least, discussions if not bringing home i mean uh the fans dana everyone loved that side of the game too so uh, it feels like mckenzie dern really really putting it together on all cylinders right now uh that was that was a hell of a that was a hell of a fight man it was it may have been my favorite fight other than marquez on the whole card that i got to watch um the opener on this card on espn or excuse me abc espn plus uh fucking espn plus uh daniel rodriguez he beat Mike Perry up, man. It's what we were kind of afraid of last week. Perry just doesn't seem like he's in there. 30-27, 30-27, 30-26 decision. Uh, again, talking to Brett, watching this, it was like, you know, Mike Perry known for, for the hands, known for winning on on his feet, and he just got pieced up by Daniel Rodriguez, bro. Completely. Rodriguez is just a way better striker than he is, and he's just a way better overall fighter. He's he's just he's got better cardio, he's got better, more crisp striking, he's more accurate. Anything you could say, Daniel Garcia was better at than Mike Perry. And um 
Yeah, I mean, I said it in our predictions last week. It's just, it just is what it is. I just don't think White Perry's that good of a fighter. And I don't think he's worth the hassle outside the octagon that, you know, with the kind of his, the liability that he potentially creates for you. And I I don't like seeing anybody just going in there getting beat up over and over. But like, this was a one-sided ass kicking. I mean, this is just like, I mean, I don't really, like, I... Well, I'm never the kind of guy to say, like, you need to cut people or the people should lose their jobs. But I'm just saying as a fan, like, I have no interest in watching Mike Perry in the UFC at this point. So that just is what it is. And, and, and Daniel Rodriguez, by the way, very talented fighter. Like, don't want to take anything away from his performance. I just I want to see him fighting. You know, there's nothing entertaining to me about seeing what Mike Perry's doing, like his yeah. antics inside and outside of the octagon and his attitude and his his current skill set and so i just i just don't want to watch it so yeah that's where i'm at well i don't know if we'll have to watch it much of course this second loss in a row he's lost four of five but man he has not won back-to-back fights uh since april uh, and in september of 2017 since then it's loss loss win loss win loss loss win loss loss so yeah. Uh, I just think, yeah, with, with the cuts, with the money situation, with what we've talked about since December, really would not expect, uh, or would I be shocked, I should say, to see Mike Perry, maybe this be it for him. Uh, but yeah, one more time for Daniel Rodriguez, who pushes that record now to, uh, to 14 and two coming off that loss to Nicholas Dalby back in uh, November of last year, but, uh, back in the win column, look forward to see, cause he did, man, he, he pieced them up. He looked good. He looked confident. Uh, that was your main card on ABC slash ESPN Plus. Anything you want to shout out on the prelim card? I know we're going to talk uh, Jim Miller loss uh, to Joe Selecki in that decision. There were a lot of decisions, a couple finishes. Um, the only uh, the only fight on the early prelim card on ESPN Plus was a finish. But, yeah, anything you really wanted to, 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 to chat about on the prelims, and then we'll get into the preview of this weekend. No, not really. I mean, I uh... – I definitely shout out to Jim Miller. I mean, we yep. talked about him a lot on the pre on the preview show. Like he's he's just he's a fringe Hall of Fame level guy. Has had a great career. I still want to see him competing. He didn't go out there and get his ass kicked. Like it was a pretty competitive match. Joel Selecki is just he just a younger, better fighter right now. I mean, it's just there's no and I think Jim Miller beats him probably you know three or four out of ten times too. Like it wasn't like a total blowout. So it was a big win for Selecki because he got a big, you know, win over a big name and a guy that everybody really respects. And Miller can still hang. Like, I have no problem seeing him on UFC shows, um, you know, and he could also retire right now and he could call it a damn good career. So, um, so yeah, shout out to Jim Miller and shout out to Joe Selecki for getting that W. Biggest win of his career so far. Yeah, just to your point about how close it was, judges went 29-28, 29-28. 30-27 for Selecki. So, super close fight. Uh, you know, hot sauce Scotty Holtzman got knocked out, which is a bummer. Uh, Tennessee guy. Um, but uh, that was a sick knockout. Uh, I can't be upset about it. I'm just upset that that's... Uh, two like Gam- in- that Gomrot guy is a problem, too. Like, that guy Dude, is yeah. Nasty. It's issue with the caps across the board. Um, yeah, that was gross, nasty. Second-round knockout. Got 50K to the winner there. Uh, two losses in a row over Scotty Holtzman, though the other one to Benil Dariush. Been a rough couple fights. Uh, that spinning back this loss, and now this way for Scott. Man, it's tough. But that's the fight game, man. It happens. Um, anything else? And then uh, we'll we'll get into this uh, this weekend's card. No, that's it. Let's go into uh, Whitaker and Gaslam, man. 
Hell yeah, he well, he just he just let let y'all know UFC on ESPN Whitaker versus Gaslam this Saturday, April seventeenth from the UFC Apex. Of course, we've got the headliner we've mentioned a couple of times now. We've got Jeremy Stevens versus Dracar Closa. We've got Andre Arlovsky against Chase Sherman. We've got Violent Bob Ross on this card. Uh, looks to be really fun stuff, man. Over on the ESPN this uh, ESPN this Saturday. Let's get right into that main event, man. Uh, how are you feeling about Whitaker and Gaslam? Where were you thinking now just a few days out? I like that we're getting the fight. It was initially supposed to be Whitaker and Costa, which I think is a better fight. But Agreed. I, but I do like that because, you know, we were supposed to get Gaslam versus Whitaker for the title. And that was that weird, that weird uh, thing where Whitaker had like the stomach problem or whatever, like the intestine thing. And, like, the day of the show, it got changed. And so I'm glad we're getting the fight because, like, I wanted to see it then. But I got to go with Robert Whitaker. Like, Whitaker looked really good against Darren Till. Uh, You know, really his only blemish at all in recent years is, I mean, depending on who you ask, a lot of fans think Yoel Romero defeated him. And those fights were really close. But... Outside of that, I mean, it's just that Adesanya knockout, and Whitaker's looked really good outside of that. Um, so, you know, Gaslam's been a bit more hot or cold. Like, he's looked really good lately, but he did go on that, that skid, but it was a skid of losing to top-level guys. So, like, it's it's hard to gauge if Gaslam was starting to fall off or if he was just fighting, like— Maybe Gaslam's, you know, the fifth best fighter in the UFC, but he's just lost to the forehead of him. You know what I mean? Like, it's just— yeah. You know, oh, we so that. yeah, exactly. So like, it's a tough one to call. I think Gaslam's wrestling can always be a problem if he utilizes it, but I think Whitaker's more more well rounded, and I think he's a much better technical kickboxer. And I think he's just gonna, I think he's gonna be able to put it on Gaslam. And uh, so I got to go with Whitaker. And if Whitaker is impressive in in this win. I think he should fight Adesanya in a rematch next. But if he isn't impressive or if Gastelum wins, I think they should go with Vittori versus Adesanya. Yeah, man, you took the words out of my mouth about Bobby Knuckles. I I think he's going to win. I would not be shocked if he kind of – it's probably he wins by decision, but I would not be shocked if if we see a third or fourth round finish. But I have a lot of faith in, uh, in those hands of Whitaker. Nothing against Gastelum, man. Uh, I just, I just kind of what I, my heart and my gut are saying. Um, and you, you summed it up great with what we've seen out of Whitaker. And, you know, last loss was uh, was that title fight. He lost the middleweight title to Izzy. That is not a bad loss at all. Other than that, man, he he's just wins, 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 wins. So I, I 100% agree, and I agree too. If he's if he looks really dominant, if he looks really good, uh, I'm all for a rematch uh, with him and Adesanya to to put that to rest. Um, but without a doubt, feels like very high stakes in this main event. Yeah, for sure. Couldn't agree more. And I mean, the thing is like Whitaker, when he beat till he was named the number one contender then, but then things got all screwy between the timeline of like when he wanted to fight. And then there was also Adesanya moving up to fight Blahovich. So like Whitaker basically just to stay active, took that cost to fight, which became the Gaslam fight. But like, I think based on what he did as the champion before and what he did, you know, by beating Darren Till recently, 
as far as I'm concerned, he's already the number one contender and he could get a title fight now anyways. Kind of that Leon Edwards position that he's been in for a while. So like, um, so I, once again, I think as long as Whitaker wins, he should fight Adesanya next. But if Gastelum wins, because Gastelum has lost those other fights recently, I, I just think that's why Vittori should have the edge over him um, in that scenario. So just to put that out there. No, man, I'm here for it. Uh, middleweight contest, main eventing this weekend, April 17th over on ESPN. Uh, you, of course, can also watch on ESPN Plus. You're paying for it. Why the fuck not? In the co-main event, lightweight competition, Jeremy Stevens, Drakkar Closet. Dude, I'm I'm really fired up for this one. I, I'm always excited to see Close in there. Of course, Jeremy Stevens, I was a fan and knew of him before Conor McGregor asked that <laughs> fateful question on that fateful day. Um, uh, he needs a win, man. Jeremy Stevens needs a win really bad. Hasn't had the, the dub since February 2018. He's lost. Again, these are losses to Aldo, to Zabit, to, to Yair, to Calvin Qatar. Uh, still, all that said, man, uh, Stevens needs a win really bad. And I'll be honest, man, he may not get it. Jakar Close is a bad man. Yeah, I totally feel the same way. The The one thing Stevens had, well, yeah, Stevens has a few things going for him. But, like, the one main one is that list you just read off. It doesn't matter that he lost to those fighters, luckily for him. Because, like, those that that's a, just a list of killers. Like, th- that featherweight division, like I said, that top 15 of featherweight is just insanely stacked so there's no shame in losing to um all those that beat uh yair and cater so like so i don't think that stevens is in any kind of position of like losing his job or anything so i'll put i'll put that out there but close is a damn good fighter and you know he's coming off that loss to dariush but before that he had strung three together in a row including wins over guys like Bobby Green and Lana Venata, who are really, really, really tight. Oh, and so, and Christos uh, Janos is also really, really tough. So, I mean, this is a really good match. And that's the thing. Jeremy Stevens, that dude always puts on entertaining fights. And he is yeah. always going for the finish. Yep. So, I love seeing him fight. Looking forward to it a lot. And I think Close is a damn good opponent for him. And Close could really, I mean, this could do wonders for his career and his standings at featherweight right now if he could beat Jeremy Stevens. So both guys really, really, really motivated to get this win. But I'm going to say Jeremy Stevens, you know, gets the job done in this one, gets back in the win column. So, But I think it's this one will probably be fight of the night, in my opinion. I'm going to say same way. I think it's fight of the night. I'm actually going the other way. But uh, it legit feels like. Um, it, it, this is, uh, it's hard to say guaranteed money in the fight game, but this one feels guaranteed fucking money, bro. Um, can't wait. Cannot wait to see these two go at it. it could be a first round knockout for either man. Could be an absolute war. That's the kind of violence both these bring. Uh, this next one is guaranteed to be the Steven Jensen fight of the night. No matter <laughs> how it goes, we've got Andre Arlovsky back in the cage, man, back in the cage, still going absolute legend. In there with Chase Sherman, both men needing a win. Uh, this is uh, another one of those that it's exciting, man, but I know you're really fired up. Yeah, well, and here's the thing. This, like, Chase Sherman's looked very good lately. Like, very good. He's won his last four in a row, all by TKO. Hasn't been fighting, like, the top names, but, you know, most recent went over Villanueva. I, <laughs> to me, this feels like this is, like, this is a, a big, like, let's get, Chase Sherman, a big win over a big name scenario. 
Um, once again, Sherman has looked very, very, very good lately. Um, and I think he's still fairly young. Uh, he is what, 31. 30, yeah, 31. Which, cool. which at heavyweight especially, that's young. Young. So, yeah. you know, Arlovsky coming off that loss to Espinal. Uh, oh, my God. Well, I mean, I'm picking Arlovsky. I'll just throw that out. I was I mean, say, I, we I, know I, you're picking. I pick Arlovsky every time. But... I, eh, this is I I think this is going to be a good night for Chase Sherman. I really do. I mean, he it, it, this this would put Sherman at five in a row. It would put him a win over a UFC, uh, you know, former champion, one hundred percent a first a first ballot UFC Hall of Famer when he retires. One of my favorite heavyweight fighters of all time. Like I I I'm a I'm very biased in picking this. I just do not pick against Andre Arlovsky. Um, just because I I'm just the fan at that kind of level, I just can't. It's the same as like I don't pick against Nick Diaz. You know, it just just is what it is. So, um, that said, I I big shout out to Shea Sherman though. He's looked very very good, and I think if if people are putting money on this fight, I think Chase Sherman is the more well rounded, more hungry, more athletic at this point of his career. Probably even heavier handed than Arlovsky is at this point. Like I this. The only reason I think you should pick Andre Arlovsky in this fight is if you're in my scenario and you're just a massive fan, because otherwise, like the smart money, I really think is on Chase Sherman. But you know, Arlovsky is a legend, and it is what it is. Like I've been saying, you know, he's he's my pick. I would love it if Arlovsky got a big win here. But um, so yeah, my pick's Arlovsky. But uh, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I I mean, it's just it's just hard. Because the problem with Arlovsky is like he's been in so many fights. His career's been so long, and he's at the age that he's at to where, yeah, you know, a guy like Sherman's just re- going to be a real big problem for him. If Sherman catches him one or two good times on the chin, like it's it's going to be tough for Arlovsky to come back from that. So, um, but yeah, big shout out to Andre Arlovsky, one of my favorite fighters ever. The longer this fight goes, the better for Andre Arlovsky. Like that's all I'm going to say. If Chase yeah. gets it done early, good on him, but. I, I would not be shocked if Andre Arlovsky wins this by decision. Um, but yeah, everything you said, smart money on Chase. But seriously, if Andre Arlovsky can can squeeze this out to the third round, I would not be shocked to see him uh, sneak out a decision here. So yeah, big time heavyweight fight on ESPN. Our our last three on this main card features uh, a favorite here on the show. We've got Wikipedia page versus non Wikipedia page. We've got. On the blue name side, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan back in action at middleweight. Violent Bob Ross, Luis Pena back in action at lightweight. And then bantamweight division, our show opener on the main card, Ricardo Ramos. So, Steven Jensen, I ask you, of these three matchups, any uh, any thoughts on them? And then how are you feeling about our uh, our blue name versus black name uh, in this in these scenarios? So, as far as the, the triple... Uh, the, the triple prelim, uh, I almost called it main event between <laughs> between uh yeah the the Wikipedia versus non Wikipedia pages that's become so uh, synonymous with our predictions here on this show. I would say so Al Hassan I'm going to pick against, and that's without even knowing a whole lot about Malcoon. Incredible, um, bold well, strategy. Well, well, I mean, I I pulled Malkoon's record up, and he they're both coming off losses. Uh, you know, Phil Hawes is the one who knocked out Malkoon, and Phil Hawes is dangerous. And Chaos Williams most recently defeated Al Hassan, 
and that was like, but the the you know, Chaos has a lot of power. Don't get me wrong, but like he knocked out Al Hassan with what looked like, like it didn't look like he really. I don't know how to say. It. I mean, he definitely cleaned his clock, but it didn't look that brutal. And like Al Hassan went down like a stack of bricks. I mean, he went down so out cold that I was almost surprised. It was I was like either Chaos Williams has like the heaviest hands ever. Or Al Hassan's chin is compromised, and that's why I gotta not pick Al Hassan pretty much at all until I can see him take a real punch again after that. Because I was surprised with, with what knocked him out in the last one. So I, that's that's my line of thinking on that. I just think if Malcoon can can hit him, I think he can get the win. Um, as far as the other fights here, we got Bound uh, Bob Ross and Alexander Munoz. Got to pull Munoz up right now. And he is coming off of... Oh, that's right. He fought Nassat Halbkares, mini, mini Kelvin Gastelum recently. Um, I say recently, last August. It wasn't that recently, I guess. Um, I remember him fighting Nick Newell on the Contender Series because Nick Newell, everyone thought, was going to get a contract with the UFC and wound up not getting one based off of that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so... But then you got Von Bob Ross on the other side. He he's been losing though. Who was his last fight? He lost to Kama Worthy back in June. Okay, he lost to Matt Favola before that, but he yes. beat Steve Garcia in between. Um, I mean, I got to go Von Bob Ross. Um, Same. You know, I'm I'm a fan of his. He beat the shit out of Matt Wyman a little while back. Um, but everyone's been beating the shit out of Matt Wyman lately. I, I'm pretty sure he's retired now. Um, it was so sad to see that too, because Wyman took like forever off. It was like five or something years off, maybe even longer. And then he came back and just got murked this, this last two. Um, I'm actually gonna pull up his record right now because Wyman that was such a that was such a weird story. Um, it oh, was. his last three, not his last two. He uh, yeah, he didn't fight between 2014 and then came back in 2019 and just got smoked by Luis Pena, Joe Selecki, and Jordan Le- uh, Livet. Love it. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go Bob Bob Ross, get back in the back in the wind column, and that'd be good to see. I'm a fan of his. And in the opener, um, we have Ricardo Ramos and Ramos and Bill Algio. Algio. Let's see what's going on with Bill Algio. Let me get him pulled up real quick. You got Bob Ross as well, right? right oh, big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to go with the boy. And then, so it looks like Algio is coming off a win over Spike Carlisle in November at the Smith versus Clark show. Oh, that show was a shit show because, like, that, that's because <laughs> Clark was, like, literally, like, a last-minute replacement to main event, and he hadn't even fought in the UFC before. Um, lost to Ricardo Lamas before that, but Lamas is really tough. Um, Ricardo Ramos is coming off of a loss to Lerone Murphy. Also lost to Said Said Nurmagomedov. Um, you know what? I'm gonna go non-wiki on this one because he's coming off that win over Carlisle. So we're gonna go Algio in the in the opener. I will go Ramos because he had put together a couple of wins before this last loss. This July time off. I'm gonna say he's come back motivated, but looking at it, I believe you went non-wiki two out of three. I did. I did. Oh yeah. I respect the shit out of that. I'm not going to lie. 
Uh, <laughs> that's your main card here on the ESPN this Saturday, April 17th. Uh, are there any of these prelim fights, which again, prelim fights also on ESPN. So that's, I, I mean, if you're going to be on ESPN, why not? Right. So all of the, uh, these names that I may not be familiar with or anybody else, it's exciting to see they're going to have a platform like ESPN to fight on, bro. Uh, but are any of these prelim card fights, uh, that really get you fired up? Um, you know, I'll, I'll highlight one of them and that will be the, uh, the Jessica Panay and Lupita going. Godinus. I'm not sure if I'm saying her last name right, but I know that Ladinus is these her name's Loopy, and she's coming from the LFA um, in with an undefeated record. And she she's only fought four times, but she's looked really really solid. Um, and the reason I highlight that fight is because Jessica Panay has been around a long time. Uh, she started fighting in 2006, and you know been around forever. Fairly, I mean, pretty darn well-known name uh, within, uh, you know, female MMA. But she's on a three-fight losing streak right now. Um, now, granted, it was to Young Jacek, Andrade, and Danielle Taylor. But that's worth keeping her eyes on because Panay, you know, if she loses this one, it's to somebody debuting in the company. And at the same time, it looks like that kind of might be what the company's going for because it's like this 4-0 like, prospect versus someone who's got a name but coming off of three losses. So I'd highlight that one. I'm going to say that mm, Panay just hasn't looked very good lately. Um, so I got to go with Loopy to make a name and make a name off of Jessica Panay in the, in the prelims as far as a prediction. But... That's one that I would highlight there because we could see kind of the emergence of a new name, um, you know, as far as uh, Loopy goes. Great well, and, and the one I'll highlight also is just two great names. I got middleweight fight between Gerald Mearshar and Bartos Fabinski. So we got name cool names all around on the <laughs> prelim card here on ESPN. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, good stuff. Again, hope everybody watches this Saturday, April 17th. Headliner, one more time, Robert Whitaker, Kelvin Gaslam, middleweight fight, all kinds of, of stakes in that one. Uh, we're going to be back next week. We're going to, of course, talk about this card, what, what, what the lowdown was, what all we get Saturday. And then we're going to be previewing a big one, one of guaranteed the biggest cards of the year for the UFC. We got three title fights. We've got Chris Weidman and Uriah Hall in the middleweight fight on the main card. We've got Lionheart back in action. You know, some exciting prelim cards. Going to be a big night, uh, April 24th. Of course, we're going to be previewing that next Monday. But for now, man, uh, we, we, we knocked out another one, bro. We're, 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 we're on a roll. I'll say it. No one else will. We're on a roll right now. <laughs> Just call us butter and slap us on a roll because we're doing it, man. Uh, anyone listening that feels the need over on Twitter, follow me at most K-O-B-K, man. But, uh. Happy to be back in the saddle after a long weekend, my dude. Yeah, I'm happy to be back, too. And for the listeners, we should be back to the regular schedule on Mondays going forward. But Mo's long weekend, myself long weekend. And yeah, just it made more sense to get some extra rest than do it on a Tuesday. So thanks for bearing with us as listeners out there. And uh, and yeah, just going to tell you about Music City Toys again real quick. Founded in 2002, formerly known as Heroes and Legends. Music City Toys and Collectibles is your southern fried source for vintage and modern toys, autograph memorabilia, and all things pop culture. Visit their brand new retail location on May 1st, 101 West Main Street on Waterton, in Waterton, Tennessee. 
Keep up to date with all their special in-store signings, online sales, and convention appearances at musiccitytoys.biz and follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Music City Toys. I'll be there. Hopefully, most can be there, too. May 1st, Dan Severin in the house. going to be a lot of fun. So support Music City Toys and Collectibles. Also, if you want to check out independentwrestling.tv, use code FIGHTTALK, F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K, with no space. Put it right there in the promo code. And support myself, Moe's, everybody that's involved in the podcast by using the Fight Talk code on independentwrestling.tv or iwtv.live. And check out all the stuff that happened for the showcase of Independence. It's all available right now, video on demand. Check it out. It's awesome stuff. Follow me on Twitter at Fight Talk underscore F-I-G-H-C-T-A-L-K underscore. I got a, a Twitch watch along every Thursday now because Impact Wrestling is now Thursdays. So you can watch myself, Joel Pearl, Jeremy Lambert's on there every other week, and we have a revolving third, and we do live watch-alongs of Impact Wrestling. So you can join us there at twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming. And uh, Fightful slash Weekender Podcast, uh, I'm going to be talking indie wrestling and all this other stuff that I always talk about over there at FightfulSelect.com. Check all that stuff out, support. Listen to me and Jesse on Tuesdays. Listen to me and Doug on Thursday nights after the Impact Stream, RVD Tito for Life YouTube channel, and Jesse Davin YouTube channel. I am done talking. Moe, you got anything left? No, man. Good stuff. Great to be back. All right, man. Good to have you back. Thank you all for listening very much. And then we'll see you next weekend or next weekend. We'll see you next week, next Monday. Talking more mixed martial arts.